Welcome to the Simmer Down Podcast, especially Houdat Nation. <laughs> well, a great, great week in the NFL this last weekend. Uh, a lot of good games. Obviously, you know, we have some talking to do about the Saints and uh, them being clowns as usual um, and their fan base. Uh, and yeah, we've had some crazy, crazy games. Cowboys, Falcons, Eagles continue to shit the bed and also a lot of injuries. So I'm guessing pretty much everyone that's listening and who is speaking on this podcast has someone on their fantasy team that is out for a while or out for the season. Um, I got Christian McCaffrey and Cortland Sutton, so I'm real happy. <laughs> that is a big bummer. Speaking of fantasy football, I would just like to point out that in our in our first simmer down matchup, it was between me and Ike. I absolutely all right, destroyed. All right. Just would calm, like to calm mention down, that. Calm down. I forgot to set my lineup. I was doing things Saturday night, and I totally forgot to set my lineup. I left Le'Veon in on accident. That's my fault. I will. I will. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Le'Veon Bell went on IR to start week two. Ike left him in, so he will be our clown of the week this week. No, <laughs> no but yeah, we got a great show. Um, so let's we're going to start the show a little bit differently, though, this time. We want to do a special shout-out to Mike Bird. If you don't know him, he is a physics teacher at Mount Carmel High School here in San Diego. Recently, uh, just started chemotherapy because he was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. And so if you don't know him, he's a physics teacher, volleyball coach, and spike ball enthusiast. He creates a culture among the faculty and the students you just don't get at many other schools. And you can tell his contributions go well beyond just the physics department at Mount Carmel. Coach of club volleyball for a long time with seaside highly respected teacher and person among his colleagues greatly appreciated by all the students in the entire mount carmel community as well as all the athletes and family at seaside um Ike, you want to talk a little bit about mike um you know every everyone everyone who i talk to just loves mike he's a he's a great person he creates and you don't you don't see this many teachers going out of out of their way to create this fun environment for the students that he does and coaching at Seaside. Um, uh, he, he coached my brother a couple times. Um, and my brother, Max has only has nice things to say about him. Uh, we wish you well, Mike simmer down's got your back. San Diego's got your back. You got this. You're in our prayers. Yes, absolutely. We wish you well, Mike. All right, let's shift to our clown of the week. We got another two for one special. I tell us who our clown of the week is. Uh, well, for our first clown of the week, none other than the now three-time clown of the week winner, Michael Thomas. Um, if anyone watched the game against the Raiders last Monday night, I'll admit the Raiders got off to a pretty bad start. Saints got off to a hot start. Michael Thomas hops on Twitter, Twitter fingers, uh, and he tweets, "Might get ugly fast." LOL. And the Saints proceeded to lose 34-24 to 24 in a game many expected them to take care of handily and win in uh, the Raiders' opening game in their new stadium. Mike Thomas, stay off of Twitter until the game's over. Come on, man. <laughs> I think it's just another reminder of how Twitter can do a disservice to you. And it's just another reason to stay off Twitter in general. Yeah, I mean, speaking more in the game, too, I don't even know 
if it would have mattered if he played. I mean, yeah, sure, they would have gotten a few more, you know, slant rounds for slant rounds for five yards, you know, which is great. But man, Drew Brees looked bad. Like he did not look like the normal Breeze that we're used to seeing. Um, and if I was speaking to Saints fans right now, which I'm going to, I would say I'd be like I said in the beginning of the season. I don't know if this is a playoff team. I think it's a lackadaisical defense that hasn't, you know, lived up to its expectations. And if Drew Brees is not the guy that he was, you know, they're in deep, you know, they're, they're in trouble. Uh, and, you know, we, I think I wouldn't have suspected to see Brees fall off this bad, but I mean, so far through the season, he's not looked good. Well, think of it this way as well. They didn't have Michael Thomas playing and they were still super undisciplined. Like that's ridiculous. They had at least 10 penalties. And, yeah, the defense, they don't look great. They got holes. This does not – I don't know about playoffs, but this doesn't look like a Super Bowl team to me. I mean, I just think it's – I think it's the same thing that we've been seeing every single year. Uh, you know, for three, four years now, we've been saying going into the season, or everyone's been saying the Saints are, you know, at the cream the cream of the crop of Super Bowl uh, contenders. But if anything, this is just kind of the end of what was supposed to be a Super Bowl, you know, team three years ago. I mean, I don't think they've gotten any better over the course of that three years. And, you know, not to, you know, just say this was the fault of the Saints. I mean, you know, respect to the Raiders, too, by the way. I mean, that was a fantastic outing by Derek Carr. Um, You know, there was a few mistakes, but overall that, you know, the Raiders look like a pretty solid team right now, especially in a really competitive AFC West. But they haven't played anyone from their division yet, I believe. So I'd like to see them, you know, play a division foe first. We'll get to that. We'll get to the Raiders later. A little later. Yeah, but they did play very well. Yeah, they did. They did. You know, and they're pretty lucky they caught the Bucks in week one. Tom Brady, Mike Evans was, you know, hobbling around on his hamstring. Brady wasn't adjusted to the offense yet. Leonard Fournette wasn't acclimated either. So Saints-Bucks round two is going to be an interesting game to watch. But another big takeaway from this game is this game proved how much Michael Thomas means to this offense because they're already struggled to be dynamic, even though they have Kamara. And they brought in Emmanuel Sanders to help take the attention away from Michael Thomas but they don't have a true deep threat and they don't have a tight end that creates a mismatch. And you saw that Monday night with against they the should line Taysom, Taysom Hill on tight end. They'll probably do a better job by whoever else they got there. Yeah. Where's Taysom Hill? Where's, they where's signed him to that big guy? contract. I mean, you would think that they would play him more. He's been a non-factor so far. I haven't seen him. Yeah. I haven't seen him do anything. Um, but Maybe they're trying to lessen the hits. So, cause he's going to be there franchise quarterback next yeah. season i mean if they're really gonna have him be the franchise quarterback next season i i don't know what's going on in that front office you can't tell me with a straight face that that guy's a, a franchise quarterback i mean they let Ted, teddy bridgewater <laughs> walk and when they let Ted, teddy bridgewater walk i assumed at some point that they would be looking to draft a quarterback um but yeah i don't know i don't know what's going on down in new orleans man Weird, weird Let's just say there's a lot of question yeah. marks that the Saints are going to need to address th- throughout they the may season. Be frauds. <laughs> they may be frauds. They may be frauds. But we got another clown of the week. This is this is even more egregious than Michael Thomas, in my opinion. <laughs> even more egregious. Um, second, second and uh, higher up on the clown of the week for this week is the Atlanta Falcons. The hot Atlanta Falcons, my bad. Um we know that they blew a 20-point lead to the Dallas Cowboys and ended up losing the game. That's nothing new. They've been doing that since they made it to the Super Bowl. But Dallas turned the ball over three times, and the Falcons still found a way to lose in dramatic fashion. 
Um, they were the first team since 1993 to lose a game despite scoring 39 points and having zero turnovers. Uh, teams were previously 440 and to zero, <laughs> to none in such such situ- situations. Um, Dan the Man Quinn choking is just in his jeans, I guess. They tried two fake punts. They did not. They could not re- recover an onside kick, which was completely recoverable. I watched it like. All they had to do was hop on the ball. It was the slowest onside kick I've ever seen, and they couldn't get it. And then they let Greg the Leg end their game, end the game in dramatic fashion. Wait, didn't Dallas try? Dallas yeah. tried two punts in their own territory, right? Two fake punts. I don't know. You just watched yeah. the highlights. You yeah. tell me. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but the- well, anyways. That that stat, the key stat right there, the first team to lose since 1933, um, despite scoring 39 points and having zero turnovers, that's incredible. This is that I mean that thing is that's not happening in alternate universes, but it's happening with the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> that's how ridiculous. That I mean, narratives don't change, I guess, right? Because this happened in the Super Bowl th- three four years ago. But yeah, I mean, I I watched the highlights of this game. Um, and it's just so funny, too, because just the Cowboys played so atrocious in the first half. And I remember watching the game, like, watching Red Zone live. So it was kind of going back and forth between, you know, multiple games. So I remember just watching the highlights from the first half. Um, and even Scott Hansen was just like, wow, this Cowboys team just looks garbage. I mean, they look awful. And then next thing you know, like, you're flipping between games. And then all of a sudden, the Cowboys are kind of slowly making their way back into it. And I remember watching that onside kick, and I was like, what? is going on like how how do you have a special teams you know brain fart like that I, <laughs> did you do you know what he said i think the big the big takeaway from this is just the falcons continue to be dysfunctional under dan quinn he's clearly <laughs> dan the man or maybe he's clearly not, so not the answer there but, and, did, did you hear what dan said about onside kicks after the game he's like no, i didn't know said? the rules no. he, did, he said i did he not didn't know, the know the rules are you kidding me dan you're an NFL head coach, and you don't know the rules for an onside kick. I mean, I think they gotta. I that think is, they gotta uh, fire him because they're wasting Matt Matt Ryan's you know last few years as a you know of his prime. I mean, I you know he's getting up there, but he's still you know I think on the early side of third of his thirties. But I mean, you have such a great offense, and you can't do anything with that with it. I mean, you have Julio Jones. I mean, Todd Gurley, you know, on his day is still a great running back. And you have Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley's been playing great. Hayden Hurst played well. I mean, I don't know if we can fully blame the offense for faulting at the end of the game, or is this completely a defensive letdown? But I mean, anyhow, like it's just a, it's frustrating because this is a good Atlanta Falcons offense and has great players on it, and it feels like their careers are just being wasted. It's it's funny it's, because it's people thought Todd Gurley was going to come in and fix every all of their problems, but running back was not their only problem. Their problems go way beyond that. Dan Quinn, still being the coach, does not help anything, in my opinion. And his seat is getting warmer every week. He's going to be fired, I am sure, before the end of the season because of how underwhelming the Falcons will probably be for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, that defense is just atrocious. I mean, I... I, I it, it's pretty bad. It's, it, But, hey, shout out to the, the Cowboys for not giving up. I mean, that's what we want to see out of Dak Prescott if we think he's a franchise quarterback. I mean, you got to win like that. Um, and this could be big momentum for the Cowboys. I mean, you, this could be something that, you know, has them go on a hot streak for a few games. And they're in such a weak division. 
that they can't like they have to they can't afford to have you know other games like this where they come from behind and have to you know try and win but i think overall it was a great you know team performance in terms of keeping in the game you know staying mentally tough um so i think the cowboys will build off of this i was not sure how i was going to feel about dak prescott this year but I, he did have a fantastic game uh, on sunday uh, the Cowboys caught a break, so let, let's uh, let's just oh, okay. Sit down. Well, Jake's a cowboy hater. You know, he doesn't like America's team. <laughs> well, he likes Padres. Which are you called me a cowboy fan last year, and now you're saying I'm a cowboy hater. Hey, man, hater. you're bipolar you? with your da- your Dak takes, man. I can't I can't help I can't help but point it out. No, my my I was just rubbing it in last year. Every single time I won with Dak in season, I this, was, didn't actually buy into him as a franchise biggest... quarterback. <laughs> biggest Dak fanboy you would ever meet. Yeah, for sure. Like who that nation? Call me, call me Skip. Call me Skip. Yeah, <laughs> Please call me Skip. Yes. I don't know if you want That's to be Skip Bayless anymore after what happened a few weeks ago. Yeah. No, I do not want. I, no, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to something else interesting that happened in week two. So we saw Justin Herbert make his first career start for the LA Chargers. So and this poses an interesting question since Tyrod may be coming back relatively soon from his uh, punctured lung. <laughs> and uh, so the question is just in time or Tyrod's team. See what I did there. Um, wow. So let's look at the week two stats of yeah. Justin Herbert. Yeah, I know it's a good one. Really like that um, one. 20, <laughs> 22 for 33, 311 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, 9.4 yards per attempt. That's a stat that stands out to me. They were letting him take shots down the field. Um, and he still got 33 pass attempts, despite the Chargers going heavy in the run game and running it on early downs on first and second down, subbing uh, in and out Josh Kelly to take uh, give him some reps over Austin Eckler, you know, give Eckler a breather here and there. I like the game they had for Justin. I thought he did pretty well. Obviously, he had two huge mistakes. And you would ex- you expect mistakes from a rookie anyways, but these were huge mistakes where the one where he rolls out play action left and he could have hit the fullback and for, you know, like a couple yards or so, or just thrown it away. If he thought the fullback wasn't going to get any positive yardage off that play, instead he takes a sack and it was a huge loss, uh, total yard shift there. And then obviously in uh, the one where he could have ran for the first down and then instead he throws it down the field into double coverage for a pick right in front of the end zone. Don't love to see that either. But other than that, he played pretty well, especially against the Chiefs. This is a Super Bowl team. And so it raises a, a, a serious question, though, because Tyrod Taylor, 47 career starts. He has one 300-yard passing game. Justin Herbert, in his first career start, threw for 300 yards, and it was a run-heavy approach by the Chargers, too. So if it was me, I would probably say still roll with Tyrod just because Justin Herbert still has so much room to learn and grow. And the Chargers are not going to be in contention this season, with, especially with Derwin James out on defense. I mean, I was really shocked that they were in the game against the Chiefs. It was not a game they were expected to win. And I, so it's not really killing me that they lost to the Chiefs, you know, courtesy of a 58-yard Harrison Butker field goal, even though he got iced twice. Third time's a charm. But you know what? Third time's a charm, yeah. You don't want to – yeah, double icing is overdoing it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I honestly, I'm leaning more towards Tyrod, even though obviously Justin Herbert played better in week two than Tyrod did in week one. But I thought in week one they did Tyrod a disservice in terms of uh, the game plan and play calling. 
I have an announcement to make. I have two yeah. things to say. Yes. One, I was wrong about Justin Herbert. As you know, if you've been listening on this podcast, I have was very critical of Justin Herbert. I mean, I just didn't like his college film. I mean, Jake and I talked about it a lot um, off the pod when we watched it. Footwork was awful, just, you know, not comfortable in the pocket, made a lot of, you know, mistakes, you know, with missing easy throws. But look, he went out there and he played fantastic. And I shout out to Anthony Lynn and, you know, the offensive coordinator of the Chargers for letting him take shots downfield. Uh, he had a few where he would have, he overthrew guys just by a little bit. Um, I think there was one in the first half where he overthrew. Um, yeah, Keenan he overthrew yes. Keenan Allen. I the know what you're talking about on but, the sideline. On the sideline, yeah. But those are throws that I think are important for a, for a rookie quarterback to make simply so, you know, they can get used to and be comfortable throwing the ball downfield. And he's got a big arm, so you might as well let him rip it. Um, and, yeah, you speak about those mistakes he made, and those are mistakes. But, again, even that throw where he threw it across his body down the field in the double coverage, I mean – I kind of saw what he was trying to do there. I don't know if you guys did. Like if he threw it a little bit farther, he would have had the guy over, like he would have had the guy behind the two safeties and he would have actually probably gotten a touchdown there, but he just underthrew it a little bit. So I kind of saw what he was doing there. Risky play. But again, if you want to be a great quarterback, risk like that, you see guys like Patrick Mahomes making those throws all the time. Um, so yeah, one, I was wrong. And two, I disagree with Jake where I actually think they should ride with Herbert. One, we don't know really the you know the issue with obviously Tyrod's lung getting punctured by the Chargers team doctor. He should really be clown of the week too. Um, <laughs> and you know we don't know how long he's going to be out for. We don't know you know the the situation with that you know with that in mind. I think it's important to say you know I think the Chargers should ride with Justin. I mean he had a great performance. He obviously you know proved to his teammates that he can you know live up to the billing as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think at this point, for his confidence, for the team's confidence, I think you roll with him. And I really did not like Anthony Lynn's comments after the game. That's the last thing I want to say on this, is I just didn't like him saying that he still has work to do. He barely, you know, praised Justin Herbert. I didn't think that was right to do after a tough loss. And, you know, sending out a guy who literally found out he was starting five minutes before the game. I just didn't like Anthony Wynn's comments. I really just think that that wasn't necessary after a really, really good showing from Justin Herbert. And, you know, so far, I mean, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, that was probably the best performance. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I really was surprised by that. And I think the Chargers should roll with him because I think in this point, you know, the Chargers, you have guys, like you said, Jake said, you know, you have Derwin and James out. Might as well just let him do it. Like, what's to lose? You know, he's, he's going to have to learn how to, you know, he's going to learn. He's going to make mistakes. But he obviously can keep the Chargers in games, and he's got a decent offense around him, to, you know, to ease the pressures of being a rookie quarterback. So, shout out to Justin Herbert, man. I was wrong. That guy, that guy showed that he could be an NFL quarterback on Sunday. I I don't know how long our listeners have been following our episodes, but if there's two things Finn loves more than anything to do, it's to share his Borat impressions. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done the Borat impression. So you want careers. me to do it now? <laughs> what is up with it? <laughs> well, yeah, he loves to call people a bust way too early before he's. They've really got an adequate yeah. chance to show what they've got. I need to stop doing that. So you you really need to stop doing that. He, it's my skip. Ba it's the skip Bayless in me. You know, we all got a little bit of Skip Bayless in us in our takes. It's a little bit of the Skip Bayless in me saying things like that. I can't let it happen though again. 
<laughs> oh man. Okay. Let's move on down. So we got some teams that are doing great stuff that we didn't really expect in the first two weeks of the season. So we got the Patriots, the Titans, and the Raiders. All great stuff, but my message to everybody is simmer down. And Ooh. with the Patriots, the Patriots. Okay, listen, just listen up for a sec. It's all fun and games until Cam gets hurt again. You saw against the Seahawks, he took hits that he should not be taking as a quarterback. Like, he's still doing some things that he did with in Carolina all those years. So that is one thing that he needs to change in his game, in my opinion, if he wants to be successful down the line. Not especially him, it's in Belichick England. calling those goal line plays that get him absolutely, like, destroyed, you know? It's still the like if you when the runs where he escapes oh, the pocket yeah. and he's going for extra yardage, you know, on the passing uh, player. Yeah, he, he's, he's still taking hits that he. He's taking hits that he should be taking still. It's and uh, Deshaun Watson does the same thing. And another thing with the Patriots is they're one of the the few teams that hasn't experienced a ton of injuries yet. I know they had a lot of opt outs, but they I'm sure they've adjusted to that uh, by now. And the defenses look pretty good for that roster specifically, and. um Starting center, David Andrews, this came in just before we started the show, has a broken thumb on his snapping hand, and he's out this week versus the Raiders. And that's just their first big injury. So let's see how they deal with that. And they don't play the Bills, who's going to be their main contender in the AFC East, until November. So I can't wait to see them play Buffalo and be able to contain Josh Allen, make him win from the pocket, because I don't think he can do that necessarily yet. Um, So that's going to be a fun game to watch, and that's going to be something to watch with the Patriots. Yeah, speaking of the speaking of Cam, you know, I, I I agree where I think he's got to learn how to not take hits. I mean, you see guys like Lamar Jackson who are very elusive and are able, to, you know, to still make running plays and you know slide or get out of bounds or not really take a hard hit. Um, but one thing I'll give him credit, and I'll give Belichick a lot of credit for this too. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I definitely noticed. I I feel like that Cam's passing is just a lot better this year. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And. I don't know if that's just the play calling or it's just, you know, Cam having his confidence back. But even in the game against Seattle, you know, he did go toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson made some great throws like that deep ball to DK. Um, but I think, you know, Belichick has done a great job of, of getting Cam, you know, one, better receivers than he had in North in Carolina. And two, you know, getting, getting you know, routes that get guys open and allow Cam to make those throws. And I think that, that was the big thing for cam is that he just really wasn't throwing well when he was in Carolina the last two years. So I think now that he's at the Patriots and he can finally throw well, it definitely has proven to make them a better team and make cam, you know, kind of go back to what he, where he once was. Um, But yeah, he still needs to not, he needs to learn how to not take hits because even that last one where on the goal line, like that was a nasty, he got flipped over. Like if he lands on his neck, he could be out for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, it, he was the most hit quarterback in the NFL for like five years, over yeah. like a five-year span, or since he's been in the league, he's gotten the most hits as a quarterback. Yeah. It also seems like he's working through his reads a lot better, you know? He's not making like stupid decisions. Like sometimes I would see him make just some horrible throws down the field right into double coverage in Carolina. But, you know, in, in New England, it seems like Belichick has allowed him to, you know, fit into the system, how he wants to play. He seems really relaxed back there in the pocket. Um, and he's just working through his reads a lot better. No, yeah, New England for sure has done a great job coaching up Cam. But I think Cam's mindset is also different this year. He's playing with something to prove because everybody is doubting him the now. The contract year, too. 
contract year, he, you know, he's playing for incentives that only gives him, you know, increased motivation. So, yeah, Patriots could have a good season as long as he's healthy. And I think he and he's on the field. It's just a matter of if he will stay healthy because we haven't seen that from him in a long time. And another team that surprised me this weekend, I mean, well, at least through the first two weeks, Ooh, was baby. the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans, Finn. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey Finn. Hey, let, oh, let, let, let me hear you. Let me hear you compliment Ryan Tannehill. Come on, let, let me hear it. <laughs> Make my day. No, Ryan Tannehill made some impressive throws, but and like for specifically one where they were, you know, I think they were around the twenty yard line in the red zone, a little outside the twenty. He steps into a throw as a defensive lineman is coming at him. He gets the throw off, takes the hit, and it goes for a touchdown. I thought that was incredible by Ryan Tannehill. But you have to. They've played a cupcake schedule so far. I mean, and the defense giving up 33 points to Jacksonville is not what you would like to see from one of Finn's Super Bowl contenders, quote-unquote. Hold on, hold Gardner, on a second. I never hey, – Hey, 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 hold hey. On. And where is this Where is this so-called pass rush you talked about? I told you they didn't have a pass listen, rush, and Jadavian Clowney wasn't going to change that. And it, obviously, he hasn't changed that. Listen, mate, it will take time. And also, Tannehill did make some great throws. The defense is shaky, but they were shaky last regular season too. And I also have never said that they were okay. Well, I they're a Super Bowl contender, but are they the cream of the crop Super Bowl contender? No, the AFC is a lot more competitive this year. Like I, I just think the Titans have a better chance at making the playoffs than some other teams. But you think that they're going to just you know not make the playoffs? But I love to hear you compliment them. It really makes me feel good. I, I really. Yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> All I'm saying, Super Bowl contenders don't give up 30 points to Jacksonville. That's all I'm Man, saying. Man, Gardner's nice. Just kidding. You, you still shouldn't be giving up 33 points. Well, speaking of Gardner Minshew and Jacksonville, um, they definitely did not play well last night. And by the way, who schedules these Thursday night games? Yeah, they're all like horrible matchups. Like, no one <laughs> like, wants to watch. I don't mean to be mean but or, you know, you know, shit on these teams. But, bro, come on. <laughs> Browns versus Bengals and then – Jaguars versus Dolphins. Well, I think some of it is you're doing a disservice to the really good teams by putting them on Thursday That's night. True. So we'll just give the shitty teams the you know they'll play Thursday so they can have the short week because no one cares if they lose or win. <laughs> well, yeah, when you have Troy Aikman calling the yeah. game too. Oh yeah, who cares, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Gardner Minshew. Look, I I don't think last night was on him. He first of all he played great week one. He played terrific, and then comes. Uh, week two. Oh, we know this is week three now, right? Yeah, week three. We're in, we're in week three. Thirty and week three. It's crazy. He played great week two against the Titans, and they still came up short because he doesn't really have a defense. They're, they're super young on that side of the football. And then coming into last night, it get announced. It gets announced uh, yesterday morning that DJ Chark will not be playing in the game, and he greatly missed DJ Chark because his receivers did not come to play. Chris Conley, they tried to give him the ball uh, to and replace the production they usually get from DJ Chark. He had. A couple key drops. He was not what they needed last night, and I thought a lot of it was on the receivers. I don't think it's on Gardner Minshew, and like the picks were not completely Gardner's fault either. Um, so yeah, tough break for Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew. But um, you know, where's you can only La- do so much when you with that supporting cast. Where's Lavisca Chenault? I would assume that they would try to be giving this guy the ball. Apparently, he's a freak athlete. Yeah, like, I, I, mean, I haven't seen his name anywhere yet. Did you guys watch the game? Uh, was, Did you actually watch the no, game? No, yeah, no, night? he got some, no, he got some, ta- like, he got looks last night, but he just didn't, I mean, he didn't wow me with anything he did. He's probably still getting adjusted um, to the NFL. 
I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's still getting adjusted the offense too. I mean, he's a rookie yeah. in, you know, with yeah. this weird off season, but um, they, they're still finding creative ways to get him the, the football because he's a great runner uh, as, when you get him the ball in his hands, especially in the open field. So he's going to get utilized, I think, more as the season progresses. And um, last night was his time to shine with no DJ Chark. They could have, they got him some extra catches here and there, uh, but they just, um, yeah, wasn't quite the outcome that Jacksonville wanted last night. AFC South, man, always a fa- or any any AFC South or AFC North teams, it's always a great match, you know. <laughs> yep. Hey, someone's hey, getting <laughs> Gardner Minshew, <laughs> Gardner Minshew, at least will not be. Uh, allow the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the worst team in the NFL. We can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That that could like go to the New uh, York Seventies vibe. I might go to the New York Giants. Oh god, it, it's going to go to one of these New York teams, <laughs> and we're going to get to that in a sec. Um, but first of all, let's talk about uh, some devastating losses for the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos. and the Giants. RIP to these teams' twenty twenty seasons. It might be already over for you. Uh, The 49ers, so obviously they suffered the deflating loss in week one to the up-and-coming Cardinals. We didn't know if they were going to be ready for it, and the Cardinals came to play. They stole the win with uh, thanks to Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And now they come out of New York with uh, what was supposed to be an easy game, take care of business. They came out of MetLife with detrimental uh, injuries everywhere. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, both out for the season. And Jimmy G sprained his ankle as well, but they already had a lead. So it didn't really affect him too much against the Jets, but it will be something to watch going forward. D Ford is expected to miss multiple games as well. So that's three pass rushers all gone right now. Uh, D Ford, he's, you know, subject to come back, but that's TBD. And George Kittle is missing multiple weeks now. He's going to miss this week as well, in addition to last week. So uh, George Kittle working through some kinks as well. Yeah, that's that's not great for the 49ers. I wouldn't say their their season's totally done though. Um their defense is definitely going to take a well, major hit. I mean, like I think without Nick Bosa, I think they there could be a very similar uh, negative impact on that defense and like the way the Chargers defense was without Derwin James last season and I think uh will be this season as well. Like cuz he's just a big culture uh, team energy guy he's what the defense is about um i don't know if he's quite the leader necessarily in that defense yet it's probably more richard sherman or fred warner but that's a that's t- it's tough to replace nick bosa and it's a big loss yeah not great and then moving on to the broncos they lost four guys yeah. pretty much the denver massacre <laughs> to get yeah, that, Von... that ankle snap sound that yeah. urinating tree uses up in here Oh my leg! <laughs> my leg. Yeah, or or, or get lost. <laughs> Unit lost. <laughs> Unit lost, indeed. Um, they lost a ton of units. So yeah, straight killer Von Miller. He went down first. He was out for the season before they even started games. And then you follow that with Drew Locke hurting his shoulder. Your franchise quarterback, uh, supposedly supposed to be everybody's dark horse uh, MVP pick. He's going to be out for probably looking like six weeks. And then you have Corton Sutton towards ACL. He's done for the year. Philip Lindsay and AJ Boye are week to week, but you cannot afford to really not have those guys play, especially with all these injuries. Um, they, you know, the Broncos—they just pulled the Philly special here. Hey, I live with—I I live with two Broncos fans. They are—they're uh, not very pleased right now, to say the least. I also live with two Broncos fans, and they're not very pleased either. 
They're also not very pleased about the Nuggets either. But they think, you know, down 3-1, you know. It's going to happen three times. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, bro, that's familiar territory, (laughs) You Familiar territory. Once you... Hey, familiar to hey, hey whoa. too soon, too soon, man, too yeah. soon. Hey, at, at least you'll be able to soon. hold it over the Lakers fans' heads if they also uh, blow a three-one lead. So you better pray for that. <laughs> hey, hey, Finn, 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 you don't know what it's yeah. like to have a team with expectations and then still underwhelmed because your teams have never had high expectations. Seen, exactly, that's why it's so much fun to be there. Three-one lead twice. Have you seen a team blow a three-one lead twice in franchise history? Yeah, welcome, welcome to Clipper nope. Nation. The Fal- Clippers were the first yeah. to do that in the span of five. You and the Falcons are you guys are like um, Eskimo brothers with the Falcons. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a weird. Comp- that's I don't, yeah. know about that. I don't know about that one, Chief. Uh, I might simmer down after that one. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, on the bright side for Broncos fans, you'll guaranteed have a top five pick because you'll be so bad for the rest of the season, and hopefully you'll have a quick turnaround with all this talent coming back for next season. So it's something to look forward to. Uh, and Drew Locke's going to come back, so maybe, you know, he'd pull a little bit of magic out of his ass. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Also, speaking of other injuries, we had McCaffrey go down, which is great for my fantasy team. And then the Giants. Saquon. First of all, I, I just want to say to the Giants, what is going on? Like, what what is going on? I, I, I don't understand. First of all, the Saquon injury to me is really infuriating because he got injured literally – a play like the last play he was in, he got injured, and then they put him back in, and then he got injured again on the next play. It was so brutal because the first time he goes down, I'm just like, "Oh no, you gotta be kidding me! This is not happening again." And then he gets up, and it's like, "Okay, he's fine." And then they give him the ball, and then he goes to the sideline. I'm like, "Oh no, he's gonna use that arm that he just injured this, try and stiff arm this guy." And then he goes down again, and then boom! The second he hits the ground, and he starts, you know, like punching it in pain i was just like great there he goes again and then i was watching a podcast or listening to a podcast this week uh and they were saying wow the giants should have drafted quentin nelson with the pick that they used on saquon barkley and they could have taken nick chubb in the second the second round and i was like wow i really didn't want to hear that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i there's also talks already that daniel jones just might not be the answer um and I wouldn't say that just yet, but they got to get him help, man. He has no receiver that is serviceable that he can throw to. Yeah. I don't care what any, he anyone He doesn't have says. a true wide receiver one, and he hasn't. Evan Ingram has never lived up to the expectations that were he was supposed to have as the super freak athletic tight end. It's just, he just hasn't lived up to him yet. It's been about three, four years now. Sterling Shepard was never the slot receiver that I thought he you know he could have been. Golden, I thought he could be the perfect replacement for Victor Cruz. Golden Tate can't stay on the field either. Golden Tate's, you know, at the end of his career, yeah, he can't stay on the field. I, I don't know what they do at this point. It, it, I mean, it's just frustrating because they can't seem to get their stars healthy and they can't seem to build around a young quarterback. And as we've seen, when you have a young quarterback that has good talent around him, it's unbelievably great for their confidence. Like, think about what Justin Herbert's doing. He's in a great offense. He's in a- I think young quarterbacks need that. I mean, Joe he has, Burrow's the... He's he Keenan Allen and Mike... He has good offensive weapons. Yeah. And Joe Burrow has AJ Green and... Uh, what's his face? Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just I just want to rant there because I just don't understand what the, what's going on with the Giants right now. Um, the play calling just doesn't seem great. And they should not be going in and losing to this Bears team. 
I mean, the Bears are two and zero somehow under Mitch Trubisky. Like, I don't know how that happened. Hey, the Bears roster is a much better roster all yeah. around than it is than the Giants. No, yeah, it, I think we can agree on it that. It is, but it's just still like the offense is just so stale, and it has been for the last two weeks. It's just frustrating. Well, yep, that we can agree on that. Anyways, let's get to our first fan question. Exciting stuff here. Anyway, so this comes from JTA Artwork. Uh, go follow his Instagram page if you haven't checked it out already. He makes really cool sports edits. Anyways, he's a big Minnesota fan. He sent us this. His question is, will the Vikings draft the quarterback if they finish with the top seven pick? Um, and this is a tough question to answer, really, because Kirk Cousins, obviously the Vikings have started out 0-2. Uh, Kirk Cousins did not look good against the Colts on the road. Um, really underwhelmed in that game. And it to me, it really just depends on who is in front of them. So you, we know for sure the Jets and the Giants are going to be in that number one pick conversation <laughs> by the end of the season. Sorry, man. <laughs> Both New York teams are going to be up there. And then you have the Chicago Bears, most more than likely, and they're going to be taking a quarterback for sure. Then you have the Carolina Panthers, who will take a quarterback, I think. And then the Washington football team, I think we'll take a quarterback as well. Finn disagrees, and he'll, we'll get to that in a I second. I think and then the Denver this year. Yeah, and then the Denver Broncos are going to be in top five pick uh, territory more than likely. And then you have potentially the Lions, the Texans, the Bengals, or the Falcons. But I think for sure there will be six teams in front of the Vikings, regardless. So let's assume they have the number seven pick. Well, I currently have the Bears, the Panthers, and the Washington Football Team. Uh, taking the quarterback so I'm gonna say there's not gonna be a quarterback good enough at that point with Trevor Lawrence Trey Lance and Justin Fields all gone for the Vikings to pick so they could very easily go with the quarterback in the second round maybe somebody like De'Ara King if he falls Sam Ellinger Kyle Trask who I think is gonna have a good year with Florida um, and they also got free agency options like Matthew Stafford Dak Prescott potentially Derek Carr potentially and Jameis Winston uh, Jameis Winston potentially if you trust his development in the Saints offense with a year under Drew Brees. So they're going to have a lot of things to look at before it comes to the draft. It's going to be interesting to see um, what the Vikings do with Kirk Cousins because he is under contract for two more years. I mean, two seasons, I think, when you include this one and then I think next season as well. Well, I think that I think that makes sense them for the uh, for them to draft a quarterback this year um, because they you know can have him develop under Kirk for a year. Um, but yeah, I, I agree where I think that I don't know if they're necessarily going to be able to pick one of the, you know, the top three quarterbacks, which is, you know, at this point, I think everyone can agree. Trey Lance, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know if the first round is probably the place to pick one, but I think in the second round, they have a lot of good options. I mean, again, Tanner Morgan from Minnesota, good option. Jamie Newman. We don't really know. I wouldn't go with that. Um, Kyle Trask, like you said, um, the guy from Marshall, even I forget, I'm blanking on his name, but he's played exceptionally well. Um, I think there's a lot of options there for them to pick. And I just don't think that the first round where they would have a chance to pick one of the big boys, unless they really have a terrible season. Yeah. I got a question. Uh, but I, what, how long is Kirk's contract? Is it, is it one more? It's year? two years. Oh, two more so years. next year, next year would be the last year, which is why I think yeah. drafting a quarterback in the second round, like what the Colts did with, um, Jacob Eason is fine because you can have him sit for a year under a veteran, learn the system and then put them in. And then you're also saving cap space by not signing, you know, a Dak Prescott at some point. 
So I think second round, third round might be a good move to take a risk. If not, you wait till next year and you see how bad Kirk Cousins plays next year. I don't think the Vikings though will be a top five worst team in the NFL. I think they'll I think they'll win some games. Yeah, they can, um, they, they'll bounce back for sure. And yeah, also, Kirk is not the worst person to sit behind. You can you can sit behind Kirk for a little bit. He'll 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 get you some wins. I mean, he got a playoff win last year, so I mean. No, he's a solid quarterback. Yeah. I just think that they're they're off. You know, they're just in a little bit of a mishap right now. I think this yeah. Vikings team could still be competitive for a playoff spot. You know, a f- down the road, but also to go to Jake's point, Jake, I don't really know why you would say that Washington would take another QB. I think Haskins is in many ways improved this year, and and he had a great game against the Eagles, and you know, I he didn't play that well this last weekend, but I I thought he has improved, and I think that you know their defenses look fantastic and I don't, I don't know if they should just move on just yet. I think Haskins deserves uh, longer than one year or two years. Sorry. Well, you have to think of it this way. If they're in a position to get, uh, I don't know about Trevor Lawrence, but let's say Trey Lance or Justin Fields, you absolutely have to consider drafting one of those two guys because they are much more physically skilled than Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is probably the least physically talented quarterback right now in the NFL. Can we agree on that? I mean, he's not, he's not exactly surrounded by the most talent. I mean, he, he doesn't really get to show his full potential at the moment. I think I, I believe it. I, well, at the same I time, it, it's a lot of speculation this conversation isn't yeah. really serious until the end of the season. When we see how teams shake out, who performed well, who didn't, who's drafting where. So it's a tough question to answer, especially just right now. And, you know, the beginning of week three of the NFL season, but right now I'm going to say the Vikings won't even have a chance at those top three guys. Cause they're just going to be too good of a team um, to end up with that kind of opportunity. So, uh, but something to watch going forward there and they're going to have a lot of options in the uh, free agency. I think um, an underrated move is trading down. They can always trade down if they can find a trade partner and, still take a guy like De'Ara King if they want to go more mobile, you know, and uh, shake up the offense. He's had a so great season, by the way. Heisman. He, Heisman he, he's had a, yeah, he's had a great start. He's going to be a Heisman candidate for oh. sure. Um, exciting to watch Miami. Uh, anyways, I think that's going to do it. We did, uh, covered a lot of great stuff. SEC football coming up this weekend. That's exciting. Really exciting. Finally, some actual right, good boy. football games in, in college. <laughs> LSU. Finally, some real You're getting football. sick and tired of ACC and Big 12. Yeah, LSU versus Mississippi State, right? Um, yes, I think. Yeah, LSU, Mississippi State, and then uh, Florida and Ole Miss. Okay. That's, That's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Hop on the lane train before it's too late. Hey, my dark horse contender versus the lane train. That's going to be interesting. Yo, also, best uh, uniforms in college football, powder blues. Those things are so those cool. Are very, those are icy. Those are yeah, those so things awesome. came out, and Finn would not <laughs> shut up about those uniforms. He thinks they're the best powder blues. He thinks they're probably better than the Chargers, which is no, 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 me, no, no. But... I don't. I'm just saying, it, everyone for so long was thinking, okay, they got the, the, the light blue helmets. They got to go with the light blue jerseys, and they finally did it, and it just looks really good. Like, the same thing with Georgia, getting bringing the black jerseys back. The, back. the black jerseys look so clean, like with the chain, uh, the chain collar. Um, I want to get one for my Bulldogs. There's those like chain collars, you know? Um, I used to have one for my old one. Finn's going to get his own turnover <laughs> chain for every single time he 
you know, call, well, he calls somebody a bust, and no, then no, no, it no, actually the works chain. out, and he gets uniform. it on the turf. You, know you should make a bust chain. You know the spike, <laughs> the spike things on the jersey around it. The white uniforms suck because they have that patch that's like you know remembering the last time they won a national championship, which is really funny. Oh, but, oh yeah, those Georgia throwbacks. Yeah, I, I know exactly. Yeah, what you're but about. the black yes. ones they look so clean, and and they were like I like the bulldog on the side. We should do. We got to do. We'll do a uniform uh, show at some point. You know, list our favorite uniforms in college, NFL, baseball, MVP. basketball, whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, we have we have uniform rankings to do. We have broadcast team rankings to do. We have, we have some potential podcasts, interviews but... coming in the future with some uh, guests. Some guests. We got, some, we got some guests in the workings. Yeah. yeah. So we got a lot of exciting yeah, we, stuff we, going we, on. Yeah, a lot of stuff happening in the background. And um, anyways, that's going to do it for today's show. Go ahead. Give us a follow on Instagram at SD Sports Talk if you haven't already. Or on Twitter as well at SD Sports Talk underscore, where we post highlights from the show. We tweet our opinions in the moment. Feel free to DM us topics or hot takes you want us to cover, like the fan question we talked about on the show earlier today. Send in more of those. And uh, next time, we're probably going to do our MLB postseason preview. Things are heating up. It's going to be interesting to see uh, Padres or Dodgers who prevails in the National League side the of Yankees. things. Yankees or, uh, let's see here, White Sox, baby. Yankees White Sox, Sox yeah. Uh, Yankees as well as if they can act like they actually <laughs> understand the importance of health. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, those are going to be interesting. Anyways, catch us with new episodes every Friday available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, and Anchor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.